Good morning. This morning we're continuing our series on gentle and lowly, uh, following the book uh, by Dane Ortland. And this morning we're going to look at another expression of Jesus' heart as a tender friend. Now, when you hear of Jesus' heart for us to be a friend, that can mean so many different things for each of us. So what comes to mind when you think of the word friends? Not the Monica, Joey, Chandler, well, how's it going, friends? You know, that's, um, but, but friends is one of those emotive words that is shaped by our experiences. Maybe when you think of friends, you, you, it makes you happy thinking how many great friends you have. Or, or maybe it, it hurts from broken friendships. Or, or maybe it's kind of being burned from friends who've taken advantage of you. Or maybe it's feeling of loneliness from a loss or lack of any significant friends. Maybe for you, it's like being a whole room of people and still feeling alone. And maybe that's how it feels like for you coming on Sunday mornings there, where you kind of seem to group everybody up in the room and you kind of feel like the odd one out. Maybe you have Fortnite friends where you're just hanging out online and just having a laugh. Or maybe you have one-way street friends where it feels like you invest a lot of energy and time and not seemingly receive much back. Or maybe your expression of friendship is built on a desire to help people. And it feels like you only have friends when you're doing things for people. We all have circles of different levels of friends, don't we? A large number of those friends are those whose names we know and some details about, but they're not part, they're, they're more superficial, we know them on a more superficial basis. Facebook tells me I have 480 friends. <laughs> Most of them are Facebook friendship level one. You know, the, you know, lots of stuff, you know, what they're having for tea, you know, how that they can solve mathematical equations, you know, their birthdays and anniversaries and the kids first day at school and their workout results. And you get the occasional grrr and someone says, oh, what's wrong, love? You know, and other friends are maybe closer to the middle of our lives that we're ones we hang out with, but it's not intimate friends. Some of us are fortunate to have a particular close friend or two in our lifetimes. Someone who really knows us. Someone who really gets us. Someone to whom it's simply a mutual delight to be in each other's company. A friend that no matter how much time apart you are, when you're back together, you instantly click again. When we consider all of the various friends that we have, the various levels of friends, we can ask ourselves, who in our life do we really feel safe with? Really safe, safe enough to open up about everything and anything. Yet most of us would acknowledge that even with our best friends, the one, we don't mind fully... Um, we don't feel totally comfortable divulging everything in our lives. We like them. We even love them. We'll go on vacations with them and holidays. We'll go out for a meal with them and sing their praises. But we don't really, at the deepest heart level, entrust ourselves to them completely. There's part of us that holds back. If your life was a house, it's like there's some floors that you just don't take people into or you just don't talk about. We fear that if you really, really knew me, you'd reject me or judge me. Yet there's built in every one of us a deep desire to be truly known and loved. 
All our human friendships have a limit to what they can fulfill in that. Anyone experience disappointment from a friend in their lifetime? (laughs) Just a few. (laughs) We all have, haven't we? But what if there was a friend with no limit? What if there was a friend who would embrace us, doesn't depend upon whether we're strong or weak, doesn't depend upon if we're clean or unclean, how attractive or revolting, how faithful or fickle we presently are. Thankfully, that very depth of friendship is offered to us in Jesus. Jonathan Edwards wrote this, Whatsoever there is or can be that is desired to be in a friend is in Christ. And that to the highest degree that can be desired. Well, you might be thinking, Mike, isn't it a bit presumptuous to be expecting a friendship from Jesus? Are we looking for something that he's not willing to give? You and I were made for friendship with God. God doesn't want us just to know about him in our heads, but he wants us to know him and to experience his friendship. We would say that real friendship starts with intention. So how does Jesus want to relate to you and I? Well, that's where our passage today gives us his own words on how he sees us. If you want to turn to John 15, it'll also be on the screen as well. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We read Jesus' own words and heart in this. The context of this chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is right on the verge. He's just about to go to the cross. And he starts off at the beginning of the chapter with very familiar verses. I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me and I in you. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love, that your joy may be full. That's very relational language, isn't it? But he doesn't leave any doubt by going on to say in verse 13, and this is where we're going to land today. Greater love has no one than this, than someone's lay down his life for his friend. You are my friend if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. Just a few things I want to draw out from this passage. First of all, we can see that Jesus gladly calls us friend. In verse 15, he talks about, but I have called you friend. Not a master, not servants. I have called you friend. We also see that he opens his heart with transparency. He says, for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. It's not, well, I'll let you know what you really need to know and and you don't need to know anything else. There's a knowing there that it's a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but everything that I've heard from the father, I want to make known to you as well. But not only is he a true friend that wants to pursue you, but he also invites you to pursue him. I love the passage in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says in the message Bible, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. And you'll recover your life. But also we know that the cross proves his friendship. We see in verse 13 of that passage. 
greater love than no one than this, than someone would lay down his life for his friend. We know that a king, like we read Lord of the Rings or watch Lord of the Rings, and you see the king will fight for his people, for his subjects. Or we see someone that would follow, that would lay down his life for, for his followers. But he's not using language that's us and them. He's, he's talking about language saying, no, I'm laying down my life for my friends. Now you might be thinking, yeah, but Mike, Jesus is not just our friend. He's our Lord and King as well. For some of us, the thought of friendship with Jesus seems to diminish his glory. Does relating to Jesus as a friend diminish all his other qualities? Diminish his authority in our lives? Not at all. Because when he calls us friends, he still remains our king. In verse 14, we read, You are my friend if you do what I command you. But it's important to understand that our obedience doesn't earn, but it rather proves our friendship with him. Obedience, pardon me, obviously, we don't want to be flippant and just call, call Jesus our chum, our bud, our pal, and almost make it flippant, our friendships. But equally, we mustn't emphasize Jesus' kingship and neglect his companionship in our lives. You see, we don't have to choose because both are true. Jesus is our exalted king and he is our truest friend. Can I get an amen? In his divinity, he relates to us as our sovereign king. But in his humanity, he loves us as a dear friend. Now, it's really important that we just take a minute to let that sink in for a minute. I don't want to just talk this through and go, that's nice, Mike. But think about this. The risen king, the risen Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords calls you a friend. Not only that, but Jesus had the reputation when interacting with people on earth of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. At that time, it meant that he would be friends of the most despicable kind of sinners known in that culture. It's like it was Batman. It would be all the bad guys in Gotham City. But only grace explains the sovereign king welcoming sinners as his friends. It means that, that he enjoys spending time with them. He wasn't repulsed by the woman at the well. Or the leper. He didn't judge the prostitute. But he had compassion. He was seen out with having a meal with these individuals. It also means that they felt welcome and comfortable around him. Luke 15, we see that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to him. There's something that attracted them to Jesus. They sensed something different about him. Jesus offered fresh hope. And it says right at the end of the Bible in the the book of Revelation, it says that even though you might be wretched, even though you might be afflicted, poor, blind, and naked, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him and eat with him and he with me. And if you're here this morning or if you're listening and you're not yet a Christian, This is the best friend request you'll ever receive. 
Maybe you're feeling that there's something in this journey that you've been in where you're feeling like there's something drawing you into this person and you want to get to know who is this Jesus that people keep talking about. Jesus won't reject you. He's not expecting you to get your life together before you come to him. He's simply saying, open the door of your heart. And if that is you, then we're happy to chat with you. You can get in touch with us or talk with us afterwards. Be glad to talk to you about this Jesus. So Jesus presents himself in his word as a friend. So how do we apply this to our life today? How do we cultivate this relationship, this friendship with Jesus? Well, first of all, I think it's important that we let the truth of Jesus' words define our relationship with him. Dane Ortland in the book says that the heart of Christ not only heals our feeling of rejection with his embrace, not only corrects our sense of his harshness with a view of his gentleness, and not only changes our assumption of his aloofness into an awareness of his sympathy with us, but it also heals our aloneness with his sheer companionship. Isn't it great to know that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves? I'm thankful for that. And he loves us more deeply than anyone else could. We are closer to his heart than anyone has ever been to ours. I've had relationships before and situations where I've allowed thoughts and opinions to build up in my head when, I, when I'm away from that person. But then when I get face to face with them, I realize they were wrong imaginations. And Jesus' own words this morning brings us face to face with how Jesus seeks to relate to us as a tender friend. If we have any contrary feelings of shame, rejection, or doubt, the encouragement here this morning is we need to reject those and must choose to believe the truth. Secondly, we cultivate friendships through conversation. Have a chat with Jesus. I was chatting with Ruth about this earlier this week, and, and I was just saying, what does that look like for you? And you may have heard her share this a little bit before, but she's saying, you know, well, I'm out in my garden, which is her little touch of heaven, her little place of heaven that she finds. She says, I'm talking with Jesus about this and about that. And as I'm going on my th- ways and doing things in the garden and so forth, all of a sudden I suddenly realize that there's a principle of life that, I, that comes into my heart right in that moment. It's like Jesus is teaching me about life principles while I'm gardening just kind of talking with Jesus and and having him talk back to her. And then when I asked her, what's been the most helpful thing for you in developing your friendship? And she says, it probably is the promise of Hebrews 13 that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That whatever we're going through, he is there. We know that friendship is a two-way relationship of joy, comfort, and openness. Of peers, not of king and, and subjects or parent and child. Relationships thrive on conversation. And as we read, as we receive and remember God's word, as we, we, we hear him addressing us as friends. And when we pray, we thank him, we, we acknowledge our sin, and, and we share our burdens with him. We know the truth that it says, my sheep hear my voice. And God's desire for us is that we dialogue with him in our everyday lives. 
We do this throughout the day, throughout the night. Sometimes I find when I just wake up for whatever reason, whether it's age or, or temperature or whatever thing, you wake up in those early moments, there's that moment where I can say, oh man, I'm not sleeping. But there's moments where all of a sudden I can just say, God, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm here. Please help me sleep. <laughs> but just having that moment talking with God. And for me particularly, in this sort of isolation season, I've learned to just hang out with him. You know, sometimes when you're first learning friendships, it's almost like silence is the most awkward thing. It's like every time you're trying to fill it with something, trying to fill it with words. And, and sometimes the maturity of a friendship is where you can just, not any words that are said, but just being in the, in the company of that person does something for our soul. Would you agree, would you agree with that? Yes. And I find that when my heart gets overwhelmed, that I, I think of the offer to, the Bible says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And sometimes I just find myself saying, Jesus, here I am. Here's my heart. No words, sometimes just tears, and peace that, uh, and peace that strengthens and refreshes me. And it's also for me knowing that if he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he's not just someone who's like your big bodyguard, but he's a dear friend. It's almost like he's got his arm around you, whatever difficult thing you're going through. And sometimes when I find my focus is so much on what's going on around me, I sometimes need to stop and just become God aware, become aware that he is with me in those moments. Maybe for you, a good place to start is to find friends who talk about Jesus. Find friends that talk to Jesus, that, that are praying. At the beginning of lockdown, Ruth and I were talking with someone who's struggling connecting with God as they normally did. They were also struggling with feeling isolated from people. And, and one of the biggest things that, that helped them was for them to become, again, part of a community of people, being connected with people. And it was one of the most positive impacts in their lives that that many times we are, because we're wired, we're created to be relational with God and with others. Those things go together. And sometimes we can find that, well, yes, we do need to get away and, and, and spend time with Jesus. We need to get away and quiet ourselves. Many times when we feel disconnect in our relationships with people, we can struggle to feel connected with God. And that's not all the time, but I find that is really, really sometimes helps me to understand where I sometimes struggle with my relationship with God. And as I connect back again and have some time talking with people and connecting my heart with them, I find that that liberates my heart to be open to God afresh. And finally, let's prove our relationship through obedience. Like when Jesus said, you're my friend if you do what I command you. And in the Old Testament, there's a story of Jonathan and David. And we'd say, knit our hearts together like Jonathan and David. But even in that situation... King, John, a king, what David was, was a king. And Jonathan's reply to his dear friend, heart knit together, is whatever you say, I will do for you. How much would change if we knew that the one who loves us so deeply is with us so constantly? And it's having that sense in your heart I'm not alone, I am not unloved. When no one else seems to get me, there is one who gets me. When no one seems to contact me, there's someone who's always contacting me. 
when it seems as though that I can't relate to anyone around me, there's someone who not only knows me, but wants to talk to me, wants me to draw near to him and me and him to me. And I have that one in Jesus. And that is such a refreshing thing in this time because I don't know about you, but it doesn't help to be isolated from friends. <laughs> it doesn't help to, to not have people in your world to be able to really talk with and, and to lament about the lost connections that we had. But, but we can know that whatever our outward circumstances are, that he is with us. Jesus chose us as friends. He chose that. He's initiating. He's intending that relationship. He died for us as friends. He laid down his life for you and I as friends. He caused us to trust him as our friend. And he remains with us for the endless age to come. As we sing the song, it goes, what a friend we have in Jesus. And it's good for us just to have a fresh reminder. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I go, yes, Jesus is my friend. Yes, Jesus is my friend. I know that. But the reality of that hitting my heart, that big, long distance from here to here, this morning afresh, he offers us friendship that gets underneath the pain of our loneliness, our lack of connection, and our deepest desire to be truly known and loved. That's such a deep thing. I don't think we're in... It's something probably that just rattles underneath it. Why people don't get me. It's that deep desire to be truly known and loved. And thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that he says, I can, I can be that friend. And we can, do, we can draw near to him. So we'll finish with a quote from Jonathan Edward. Let it be our first love to enter into an everlasting friendship with Christ that never shall be broken. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Let's just respond in prayer. If you just want to close your eyes. Such an amazing truth this morning that the one that died on the cross, that overthrew hell and Hades, that rose victorious, that, that sits on the throne high above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord, considers you and I a friend. And Father, this morning, we thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that even in the most difficult moments, you said, is it possible to take this cup from me? But you didn't give up on us. You persevered to the cross because you saw us lost. You saw all your friends lost. You saw family lost. But then, Jesus, you, you rose and you invite us to come to you. Father, I, I particularly want to pray for anyone here that's been incredibly hurt by friends even those that might have said, I'll never trust anyone again. Father, I pray that you would allow us the grace 
to open our hearts afresh to you. And Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds. Jesus, we thank you for your friend request to us. Forgive us for anything else we've made our relationship. Forgive me, Lord God, for any way that I've not seen you as a dear friend. Forgive me for having my eyes off of that and eyes on the lack of friends I have around me. And most importantly, Holy Spirit, right now, to know Him, to know Him, is the cry of my heart. Spirit, reveal Him to me. To hear what He's saying brings life to my bones. To know Him to know him alone. Holy Spirit, we need to know Jesus more than we've ever known him before. We need a fresh revelation of your gospel, of being lost and found, of, of being lost, but now friends. And we pray, we just give you our hearts afresh, God. We pray that you would reveal your love to us afresh. Fresh wine, Lord. Fresh wine, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, let us walk in the good of this, even from this day. Rescue us from ourselves. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. Rescue us from just giving thought to this and say, that's nice. But Lord, let it touch our heart deeply to know him dearly as a friend. And Lord, we just give you our hearts. Just lift up our hands to him right now. Let's just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Jesus, I accept your friend request. He already is, but sometimes there's moments where you just renew your covenant of friendship. You just say, you know, I, we haven't been the best of friends right now. I haven't given time to our friendship or it's not a, it's not a, a guilt thing. But Lord, I just afresh want to see you afresh as my friend walking day to day in the day and in the night. Here I am, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name.